Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. And in this edition of my podcast, I want to speak about a man whose name has been very much in the news over the last couple of weeks, and that's President Jimmy Carter, who announced some time ago that he is under hospice care in Plains, Georgia, uh, clearly anticipating the end of his long and very productive life. As I record this on Sunday, March 5th, that is the situation, and I want to take this opportunity to speak a bit about one aspect of President Carter's life. I do not want in this episode of the podcast to talk about his feelings and his actions relating to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. I know that that brings up a lot of issues for many people who are supporters of Israel. I do not want to talk about that here nor do I want to try to evaluate his presidency. That's not something that I feel qualified to do uh, on, in, in a medium like this. There are many more people who, who are uh, much more astute in that way than I. And uh, in fact, I'm very interested in what I've read recently, some, in fact, some revisionist history about uh, his presidency, people talking about it perhaps as being more positive than they might have thought originally and stressing some of the positive accomplishments of his administration. But that again, that's for somebody else in another setting. I want to speak about President Carter on a very personal basis because I had the opportunity to meet him. And I want to tell you that story. In 1975, when then Governor Jimmy Carter announced his intention to run for president, uh, it didn't create quite a stir among many people. But I'll tell you one person who was very, very interested and very impressed right from the start. And that was my father, Alava Shalom. Now, my father had been a student of government, had taught government on a college level for a while. And so clearly he had a, a, a sense of, of what he was looking for in a political candidate. And I think he was really impressed by President Carter for many reasons, uh, one of them being Governor Carter at the time, one of them being, uh, I think he reminded him of his favorite president, uh, Harry Truman, uh, who was an outsider, who was a the man of the people, so to speak. And I think he really took to that very seriously, my father did, and uh, uh, really wrote uh, Governor Carter some letters and, uh, and, and uh, did a little bit of uh, work on his campaign on a very uh, uh, on a very small level. Uh, it was announced in November of 1975 that then Governor Carter was going to give a speech at Brandeis University, where I was a student. And so my father said, "You have to go and listen to him. You have to. Go. I want you to go and listen and take notes." And so I went, ready to take notes, and we went into this big auditorium at the student center at Brandeis, and I was there with eight other people. Uh, there were nine of us there uh, who came to listen to uh, Governor Carter. As I recall, a couple of them were reporters for local newspapers. And uh, so he said, before he started to speak, he said, we, I, I, there's no sense standing here in this auditorium. Let's go find a more comfortable place. And we followed him upstairs and we sat in a lounge at, in the student center at Brandeis, sat around on sofas, and he talked. And he talked to us for quite a while, and I took as I took copious notes, as my father had said, and I still have the notes, uh, and I'm looking at them now. Uh, one of the things that uh, Governor Carter said was that he, he predicted that he would win nomination on the first ballot and be elected. 
Uh, that seemed to be beyond the realm of possibility at the time, but in fact, of course, turned out to be accurate. He also said, uh, in, in a, here I'm quoting him, in the aftermath of Vietnam and Watergate, can our government be decent, honest, truthful, and fair? He spoke quite a bit about values at that time. He said, honesty, compassion, fairness, respect, freedom, competence, openness, frankness, and courage are America's ideals. And then, and here I have a quotation, so I'm assuming it's verbatim. We have slowly let our government set a standard of ethics and morality far below those which we set in our lives. This was particularly meaningful. It was particularly meaningful to hear him say this. I entered college in 1973 during the height of the Watergate scandal. And everything we were hearing about government was about lying and stonewalling and, and, and uh, dirty tricks and manipulation. And here was a person coming and saying to us in the aftermath of Watergate that we need to be more honest and we need to talk directly to the American people and, and talk person to person and have, the, have this and this kind of sitting around in a, in a, in a lounge with the nine of us, I, I took as a symbol, a symbol of, what, of who he wanted to be. The first quotation that President Carter shared during his inaugural address was the quotation from the prophet Micah. It has been told to you, O human being, what is good and, and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that for a person like myself, who at that time was starting to contemplate the idea of being a rabbi, but certainly was already very much interested in Jewish text and in Jewish tradition, to hear those values from the prophet Micah, lines that we knew so well, chanted as part of the Haftorah for um, one of for, for Parshat Balak, for one of the Haftorah readings of the year, one of the readings from the prophets, but just standing on its own, talking about values, justice, mercy, and humility with God really made an impression. And so this was the impression I had of President Carter throughout his presidency, that he really was seeking justice and fairness and, and expressing a certain humility, which in certain cases might have gotten in the way of him accomplishing what he could have accomplished as president, but nonetheless was a value that he lived by. And as many people have said, he, was the, he is now the most impressive ex-president we've ever had because those values have continued as he's done so much charitable work and so much work for people who are, who are, uh, who are, are perhaps uh, victimized by society in certain ways or in, or in fact in certain ways uh, deserving of, 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 of support and of concern. Now this podcast is supposed to be about Judaism and about Jewish tradition. And I did mention about the fact that at that particular time I was considering becoming a rabbi. And I want to share with you a thought that I have that connects President Carter and that impression I had of him when he was running and the impression he gave to the American people as president with the role of the rabbi. I'm not going to claim that Jimmy Carter was in fact my role model. I don't mean it that way. But I want you to think about something 
and I, I, I want to bring it up. It's very much a work in progress in my mind because I hadn't really thought about it, connection with the American political system per se, but I think it's something that is really worth thinking about. When I was growing up, the rabbis we knew were very impressive individuals. My rabbi that I grew up with, Rabbi Manuel Saltzman, Allah Shalom, was just the most impressive individual. If I could give a sermon 10% as well as he did, I would be satisfied. A fantastic speaker and a fantastic figure in the community and a true leader. There's no question about that. And God forbid I should give him the impression that he or any of the other rabbis I knew were less than moral upstanding individuals. That's not the impression I want to give. They, this is not a question of their morality or their, or their ethics. Uh, he, he was truly an impressive individual in so many different ways, as were so many of the rabbis that I knew. But there was a model of the rabbinate that was different than the model that I felt comfortable with. These rabbis spoke from the bima, from the pulpit, that was raised up high above the congregation. They would speak in a very paternalistic way, talking down to the congregation in the sense of from a different level. They were not approachable to us as young people. It wasn't something that we felt comfortable doing as wonderful as a rabbi, as Rabbi Saltzman and so many of the others were. I didn't feel comfortable walking up and just asking a question. There was a cert or, or, or making a comment. There was a distance. And for many of us, as we entered the rabbinate in the post-Watergate era, we didn't want to be that way. We wanted to be the kind of an image, again, that President Carter showed me that, they, where you could sit and chat with people, where you could talk with them on their level, so to speak, and they, on your level, you were talking to an individual, not talking at an individual. And that really became, I think, the standard for rabbis within certainly the conservative movement, and it continues today, that rabbis do not find themselves high above the congregation. The pulpits sometimes even physically have been lowered. People have conversations with the congregation during Shabbat services, during services during the week. The ed adult education aren't lectures, they're discussions. Committees in the synagogue work with the rabbi instead of for the rabbi. This is so important. And it really was a model that speaks hopefully of humility, but just avoidance of the trappings of power that the clergy can have. And I think that when I think back to that discussion with President Carter, then Governor Carter, I get the feeling that in our own way, that was the model that we wanted to set so many of us for our rabbinate. And in the 36 years I served as a congregational rabbi, I hope that I was able to accomplish that, to be able to be a person among the people who led, but led from among the people rather than uh, from, from a position above, and that those values of justice, mercy, and humility were on our minds always. It's an interesting thing to think about, and I would urge you to ask yourself this question. What do you look for in, in a clergy? What are you comfortable with? How important is it to have that personal kind of relationship and does it ever get in the way of the job that a clergy person should be doing? 
does does that humility, uh, you know, going back to President Carter for a moment, some people would say that that aspect of humility and honesty and certain and openness might have gotten in the way at some times. Does that ever get in the way in the clergy, in of the relationship that you should have or that a congregation would have should have with its leader? It's worth thinking about. But I will tell you for myself as a rabbi that I keep, while I can't say I think about it always. As I think about President Carter, and I think about that evening sitting together around the table, around, uh, on, on sofas in the, in the lounge at Brandeis University, I wonder if that had, in its own way, an impact on the way I wanted to do my job as a rabbi. Worth thinking about. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your comments. And until next time, thank you.